Welcome all you Plus 2 Comedy Modifiers to another episode of the Plus 2 Comedy Podcast. I'm your host as always, TV's Noah Woolhan. And before we get to our fantastic episode with Gary Berman, I have to tell you about our upcoming shows. We are going to John Con. Yes, John Con at Johns Hopkins Universities. That is in Baltimore, Maryland, April 6th through the 8th. We're doing a bunch of stuff. It's a smaller con. It's pay what you will. And... Now that Otacon is gone and you need a Baltimore con, come to John Con. It is a blast. It is the best con if you want to just hang out and play board games with Plus Two Comedy, because we play a lot of board games at John Con. So please come see us at John Con, April 6th through the 8th. For more information, Google John Con. It's just easier, trust me. And now, without any further ado, take it away. Kirby Crackle. Who's ready for a podcast? Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> felt strong this week. What a rousing ovation. Yeah. Who's here to do other things and currently being annoyed by a podcast? <clears throat> They're still not paying attention. No. This is the Plus Two Comedy Podcast coming to you live from Gamers Vault. That's 175 Route 70 in Medford, New Jersey. I'm your host, as always, TV's Noah Houlihan, joined, as always, by the moss to my Roy, Mr. Will Liam. How you doing, Will? It's, that's a fair one. All right, cool. I'm doing good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Our guest this week is an author and a pop culture historian. Please give it up for Gary Berman. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, it was more than we got, so don't (laughs) don't be disparaged. But thank you so much for coming on the show, Gary. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. So I was looking through uh, what you write about, and you wrote a book on British sitcoms. True. That was my first one. Why British sitcoms? I've always loved British sitcoms. I when I uh, I mean going back to when I first discovered like Monty Python and right. which was not a, which not yeah. a sitcom yeah, was, but com right but that led to like Faulty Towers and a lot of others that uh, were shown mostly on PBS stations you know different cities right. around the country so uh, I got re- really into them and started. Uh, recording them because I was afraid that these stations are probably just going to yank them off the schedule without right, any right. warning and I would have nothing to remember them by. So I recorded them more and more and eventually had a, I don't know, maybe 200 hours of them or whatever, just a right. lot. And at one point I decided maybe I can do something constructive with all of these. And uh, <laughs> and somehow the idea came to me that there must be other people who like them also. But right. they haven't had a chance to learn much about them. They don't know anything about the actors or how the show was put together or anything. So I took it upon myself just to start making phone calls to the BBC, and uh, it kind of snowballed. And uh, I sort of de- dedicated a chapter to each of the shows I wanted to write about okay. and managed to find the directors and actors and writers with a lot of help from people on that side of the pond. And... Uh, it just took off from there, and I uh, was uh, pleased with the results. <laughs> what can I ask? What year this was? <laughs> yeah, this. Well, it was published in 1999. <laughs> you can ask, but I'll punch you. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I just it's it's really fascinating that time difference 
of if you wanted to know a thing, you had to put work into it. <laughs> like Before I, the now internet, I reach really? in my pocket. Yes. Yeah, and I'm like, who is right. that guy in the show I'm yeah, watching? Yeah, you can Google it or you, you can look call it up on, England. <laughs> on Wikipedia or you know, anything like that. I really had to do it the old-fashioned yeah, way. <laughs> with faxes. Yeah. Faxes, remember faxes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, um, and uh, there was some uh, very helpful people at the BBC who would send me, mail me materials Really? Printed wow. synopses of the episodes of the shows I was asking about and photos. And they'd give me numbers of uh, the agents for the actors or the writers so I can get in touch with them. So it was really exciting. I yeah, loved it. I loved really every minute cool. of it. Yeah, that's, and that's uh, I mean, I was a nobody. And uh, here, here were people who were big shots in right. British television. And they were willing to talk to me and let me interview them. And That uh, is super cool. Yeah. Uh, and it, it came together pretty well. And then uh, in 2010, I did like a revised uh, ver- edition of the book. I added about seven chapters, and I uh, just wanted to update a lot of the things about some of the shows that needed updating. Okay, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, for, for some of the folks that may not know, what would you say the biggest difference between a British sitcom and American sitcom is? Mm. The first thing that comes Season to mind, length. <laughs> yeah. that's one of them. Series yeah. length. They do things very differently there, <laughs> yeah. except it's funny that a lot of the American shows are almost starting to follow that. Yeah. You I notice how that. some shows will be on for like uh, 12 episodes and then take a long break and then later yep. in the year they'll come back again, which is closely closer to what they do there. Uh, but I think on the creative end, the writers had so much more power and say over what this show was going to end up looking like. Right. Because uh, a writer could come to, let's say, the BBC. It's not the only place you could go to. but um, And they'd present a script or something for the show, and they'd be given the, the go-ahead to do it. And But the writer would have – there wouldn't be a lot of people – interfering and, and making changes and a lot of things done by committee. Uh, most shows were written by one or two writers and th- most yeah. American sitcoms, you have a whole group of yeah, them sitting room. in a room yeah. and uh, pitching ideas and, and working it out that way. So to me, that was one of the main differences. And I think you can tell when one writer stays with his own creation mm-hmm. all the way through the life right. of a show and you can kind of know that it's it's coming more from their their mind instead of just a com- by committee, you know. Right, right. And it, it tells a, a clearer story. I remember when I was young and watching Full House. Uh, <laughs> I think DJ gets the chicken pox twice, and I was like, <laughs> "That can't happen. TV's imperfect." And like that's how my walls fell down. You sure you weren't watching the repeat without realizing it? <laughs> I, I probably was. I was watching repeats. I was like, wait a minute. I just saw an episode like this. But in my mind, I was the only one who ever caught it. And I'm like, I'm going to write a letter. And then I didn't have the follow through. So, But I believe uh, one of the big things that brought about syndication was Monty Python. Oh, yeah. Because before they used to tape over the shows, right? They almost did with Monty Python. Uh, but I even remember some some British sitcoms. I grew up um, in northern New Jersey, so I would get all the New York stations. And some of them would play some uh, sitcoms that uh, 
were never advertised or publicized or anything. You either kind of stumble upon them on your own or you don't. Right. And that was a few years before everyone seemed to discover Monty Python at roughly the same time. At yeah. least that's how I remembered it. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember just catching it on a Sunday night, not knowing what it was. I thought it was, uh, I caught it in the middle of one episode. I thought it was maybe Marty Feldman, or, you know, because his show was syndicated for a while. And uh, within a few weeks, people in school were starting to say, did you see that show on Sunday? <laughs> yeah. And so it was really just word of mouth. I know the first time I ever saw Monty Python, and it did have an impression that I remember the first time I saw it. I saw it with my uncle, and I said, what's wrong with this? <laughs> this seems so incorrect. Are we having a stroke? <laughs> yeah, collectively. And it was um, Beware the Killer Cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just the... cars jumping on people right. and eating them. And it was my favorite thing. <laughs> well, the first thing I remember seeing when I tuned into it, really by accident, was um, Confuse a Cat. Confuse a Cat? Yeah. Oh, it was Maybe like Confucius, right? No, no, it was uh, this... Um, this uh, suburban couple, they have a cat who is just sitting around not doing anything, and they're very worried about it. Maybe it's sick. And so an expert comes by their home and says, your cat is, is just needs to be confused to, to sort of snap it out of its lethargy. So a truck pulls up by the house, and uh, all these uh, people come out and build a, a stage in the couple's backyard, <laughs> and they put on costumes, and... What follows is this very surreal sort of fast motion uh, uh, performance that they put on for the cat. <laughs> and they do all of these crazy, stupid things. Uh, and uh, it's the purpose is to confuse the cats. It, and it worked. So <laughs> the, the couple's very, uh, very appreciative. And I tuned in right in the middle of that. And I didn't know what was going on either. I didn't know, <laughs> what in the world is this? So I think a lot of people that, that's remember that. you discovered though. you were a cat? <laughs> You're very confused. <laughs> well, I recommend that episode if you ever get to see it. I've never heard of it. Uh, I mean, Python has had so many influences on me. Because there's one sketch that opens with uh, a couple walking down the street. And it's like, here are here's an ordinary couple doing ordinary things, going about their ordinary lives. So that's not very interesting. So let's focus on something else. Right, right. And like that got me so like good. And that's like became my writing style of uh -huh. that kind of like... Diffusion and like looking at the very small part of something. Uh, well, I, they throw in something rambling. very unexpected. Well, yeah, because that, that's I feel the same way about. There was an episode where John Cleese was uh, he was he was like an army character, and halfway through the sketch he's doing, he decides he doesn't like it and it's too silly, and he won't <laughs> oh, do it. Sure, yeah. And that's they have like the director come out and stuff, and uh -huh. he's just like, no, get out of here. And then throughout the rest of that episode, he keeps interrupting other people's sketches right, yeah, and being like, no, yeah. no, we're not doing this. <laughs> too silly, and I too was like, silly. What, is this what meta humor is? I love this. <laughs> just first discovering it. Because hmm. at first as a kid, you're like, is the director really mad at him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because everything's live when yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, everything's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, so, uh, when you, you've written these books, and uh, we've had a couple uh, cartoon experts on, mm -hmm. and what we would do is we would just list random cartoons, and uh, they would give us their thoughts on it. So, I have a couple random British sitcoms I wanted to throw at you, and you could give me a few okay, facts. Okay, I think I maybe. can handle that. <laughs> uh, I just looked at all these, and now they're all leaving me. Hello, 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 hello. Excuse me. <laughs> 
That's probably my fit. That's what I consider to be the funniest Britcom I've ever really? seen. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it takes place in World War II in France. Hilarious. In o- occupied France. <laughs> yeah, they managed to do that somehow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the, this French town is occupied, and the lead character is a cafe owner mm-hmm. who is, um, he's the first to admit he's a, a coward. And when these German generals... You keep- said it was in France. You don't have to... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Take that it all fits French. together very nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, if there's an Italian cafe owner, oh, he'd be rather yeah, out of yeah, place, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so um, it's it has a very large cast of very eccentric characters, and each episode, they're basically coming up with plots to either foil the, the Germans or to help these British airmen escape get them back to England, and every complications ensue. And uh, the story becomes very convoluted, but it's just the comic invention is, is incredible, and just, it's just practically nonstop. Yeah. And both, both the dialogue and the visual comedy just keep... Uh, it's it's I, I, almost like a soap opera because it's a continuing story, so it's not really like an episode begins and ends because you know that whatever they're doing at the end of one episode is going to sort of okay. lead into the next one That's so it's cool. not the usual sitcom we're writing for syndication Seri- that we yeah, see for or no serialization <clears throat> is the continuing right? yeah it's the continuing yeah. sitcom is everything gets reset so we yeah. can sh- air yeah, these out of right. order on TBS someday <laughs> right yeah uh, so that to me that's uh, that's a your brilliant show yeah okay okay quackers quackers Quackers. It was the only one on the list that started with a Q, so I remembered. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. All right, okay. You stumped me. <laughs> there goes my my book? reputation as an expert. Uh, spaced. No. That's a more modern yeah, one. Yeah, I, like I know what spaced. What See, I've lost track of a lot of some of the more recent ones because uh, I had, I wouldn't say limited access to them, but more conventional access to right, them. Right. Okay. So, and I've gotten busy with other kinds of things that I'm busy researching or writing about. So I guess I've sort of uh, fallen behind okay. with the, some of the more recent. And the PBS stations don't really... I was able to... I was lucky because my book came out right when it was sort of hitting a peak right. in popularity. And I think it's sort of maybe drifted off a bit since those years. Okay. Uh, because there are not enough newer, fresher ones coming in, I think. Right. Uh, where they're easily seen, where you don't have to necessarily have a certain cable subscription for certain channels that make it easier to to see them. That makes sense. And I got to ask about this one because it's infamous, uh, but it didn't run for very long. Uh, Heil, honey, I'm home. <laughs> I I saw an episode. Maybe it was the only it's episode. The episode. Yeah. You saw an episode. And uh, it it really makes you sort of think. Well. Was this meant to be as is, is awful and offensive, or was it? Did they not realize how awful it's? Or you it's think kinda, it was a producer situation, but their plan worked. Kind of <laughs> twists your mind in, into knots because you don't know what was the what was the idea, thinking behind it. Because you know? I watched it with that that feeling of like, oh my god, I have to see this. This is insane that it exists, and I walked away going. There wasn't enough jokes. <laughs> yeah. They I probably mean, should have made this funny if they, that was their plan. Yeah. They may have said, let's go out of our way to make the most offensive idea for a sitcom possible, humanly right. possible. But when once they went ahead and did it, it wasn't 
I can't think of anything. You almost feel guilty if you want to laugh at it because yeah. <laughs> you're you're laughing at Hitler and his and his housewife, his yeah. Fraulein, you know, house, <laughs> you know. Keeping I, I was expecting it to be like kind of a parody on sitcoms or something like that, but there was just there was no substance behind yeah. other than. Hey, let's give Hitler a sitcom. It'll be fun. <laughs> like that's that's the amount of writing they did. But it could have worked as a sketch within yeah, some other show. Sketch. Right, and but not as its own series. I, who would come back for the second episode? I don't yeah, <laughs> it's like this didn't work. And uh, I'm not sure if if uh, this is something you'll know about because it's not really in the sitcom area. But the only British cartoons I can think of are Python. Is, is there not really a lot of Terry animation? like Terry Gilliams? You mean? The, the stuff that's in Python. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're, do you know of any British cartoons? Because I, I was racking mm. my brain without doing any Googling because that's cheating. The ones that were specifically created and in, in popular, no, I don't really. Beatles had a movie? It was a oh, yeah, well, Submarine. Well, there was that and there, there was, yeah, the Beatles cartoon was done here though. Oh. Uh, I guess you mind. wouldn't count things like uh, the Thunderbirds wasn't really a cartoon. Or... Oh, the puppets? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> Captain Scarlet, the Thunderbirds. Um, no, I'm sorry. You got me there. I don't know if Maybe really... nobody could draw there. That's why they had to use puppets. I guess I'll have to go hit YouTube and, and, and see if there's anything on there. Well, I think something I found fascinating about British entertainment is England is relatively small compared to America. And mm. I was like, I used to watch uh, Graham Norton, mm-hmm. and like he just runs out of guests because <laughs> there's just there's only so many people around. <laughs> so like they, they can't have like the late night show, just because it's not feasible to do that every day. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, but we brought up the Beatles, and you also have a book about the Beatles. That's true. Uh, I just write books about basically what I've been interested in any way. Right. And I seem to have enough talent to actually write a book about what I, and uh, spread the word to people who may not be as familiar with something as, as like the BritCom book. I mean, that's uh, what this podcast is, is just like, you know, we have a lot of things we want to talk about, but I don't want to write a book. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just yell it into a microphone once a week. <laughs> Out into it's the easier. internet. It's much easier. Oh, it is. <laughs> or a blog. This could be a lot shorter. Because you've written, what, six books? Uh, five nonfiction and three fiction. Oh wow! Like a comic novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a collaborator who lives in England. Oh wow! And we we co-wrote uh, a few things strictly by email. We would just write something, a few pages of whatever we're working on, and send it to each other to edit or make comments. Did you just like you write and then you send it to them, and you're like, make this sound wrong, <laughs> or spell, um, spell aluminum wrong? Yeah, add some use to this aluminium. <laughs> uh, no, just as a um, as a courtesy to her, I think we kept most of the spellings like the British way. Oh, I hate oh. that. <laughs> I don't know. We may have we may have kind of alternated back and forth. But, um, oh, yeah, the Beatles book. Well, that that basically started, uh, there's a magazine called Beatle Fan, which has been around since the the mid-70s. And uh, I would get, I I guess I had a subscription at one point. And uh, when the anniversary of the the Shea Stadium concert 
in New York was coming up, the 40th anniversary, I thought, well, I'll write an article about that. Maybe I can find some people who are actually in the stands of the concert and can tell me firsthand what it was like. So I managed to find some people, and I interviewed them, and I did the article. And uh, at some point, I must have thought, well, this is a pretty good idea. Why don't I just keep going with this and find other people who have seen them in concert in other parts of the country, and maybe they'll have stories. So I found some... um, uh, some sites that had people contributing their memories of what it was like to be a teenager back then during Beatlemania. And uh, I f- tracked down people all different ways all across the country and interviewed them over the phone and recorded those and just put together their memories of... They have some great stories. Going to the airports to, to watch their plane land and uh, trying to sneak into hotels and... <laughs> right press conferences or wherever, whatever they could do to get near them or close to them. And the concerts themselves. Uh, I think I have like 20 different concerts that they gave across the country that I managed to find someone who was at that concert. Uh, not that I was looking for them, but they would tell me, oh yeah, I, I saw them in Kansas City in 1965. So I just... Uh, collected all of their stories and put them in chronological order. So in effect, they're telling the story of what it was like back then. Uh, And uh, so I can only claim partial credit for that because (laughs) most of the words are there. Mostly editing. I just sort of connected their stories together with Mm -hmm. some background on, okay, then the Beatles went on to do this, and then they went and made Hard Day's Night, et cetera, et cetera. uh, But uh, they're the real stars of the book. That's awesome, though. And... uh, at the Beetle Fest, they're not allowed to call it Beetle Fest anymore, but everyone else can. <laughs> the people who run it, right? Uh, and not, not long after the book uh, came out, we kind of sort of used that Beetle Fest that year as the grand premiere of the book. And I invited a lot of the contributors who gave me their stories to come and to come to the Beetle Fest and be on like a panel. Uh, and uh, about a dozen of them were able to show up from all different all over the country. And uh, so they sat in person and was, were able to tell their stories to the audience about what it was, basically the same stories they told me, but I thought it was fun to get them all together and right. and have them tell people who, uh, who were too young or just weren't <laughs> part of the experience what it was like. Yeah, I mean, it's, the effect of the Beatles is just amazing. Like, I mean, we're still talking about them today. Because, like, when was, was the Ed Sullivan show? February 9th, 1964. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you can pull that off just immediately. So, I mean, we're, oh, I'm going to try to do math. 54 years ago? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you think I'm even worse at math than you are. Right? <laughs> I forgot what the original date was. 64. 64 is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, like, we we still talk about them, how, like, they're the greatest band in the world. And I remember when the Backstreet Boys came out and all the girls were screaming and my parents made fun of it. I was like, this is the same as the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Like, so chill. But I will say, no one's saying that the Backstreet Boys are the greatest musicians who's ever lived. Yeah, they just, they just didn't make it. Yeah. They, <laughs> they only Beatles got so far. Beatles are still kicking it strong. I mean, before that, everybody was just a, it was just a big band. Right, that's the only music that existed. Yeah, I guess big band would be it was. <laughs> no, there was like a whole bunch of music. Yeah, there was also jazz. And... Yeah, and like Elvis. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty big. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. 
they were pretty important. Even folks. Elvis doesn't have the residual effect I would think the Beatles have. No, surprisingly, I would say the, the Beatles are way bigger than Elvis right now. <laughs> I know, it's a weird thing to say, but... Uh, yeah, Elvis did super fade away because, like, I well, think he still marries people in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> but so does like Captain Picard. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So does Klingons. Right. So, <laughs> you're right. I should have gone with General Martok. <laughs> but I mean, the big thing that I think kept Elvis so popular was that everyone said he faked his death, and now we're at the point where even if he faked his <laughs> yeah, death, I bet he's dead. <laughs> I bet he's dead by now. <laughs> But we also like. Well, if you wanted to fake your death, would you really have it happen on the toilet, though? That's how they. That's how you do it. You have a real embarrassing death that you wouldn't want to have out there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical too, but I, I have someone has to be the crazy person on the podcast because then that Elvis book came out that was like co-written by him, even though he was mm. dead and. That's all the information I have on Elvis. Did Bigfoot also help write it? Big, yes, yes. He did the foreword? <laughs> the foreword was the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. Yes. Edited by a chupacabra. <laughs> so we like to geek out on this show, and we do it with the same call, what you watching, what you reading, what you playing. That's where we talk about what we're watching, what we're reading, and what we're playing. <laughs> Gary, you're new to the group. What have you been watching <laughs> recently? On TV? Anything. TV, the movies, <clears throat> go see a play. You know, I don't go to the movies much. The only time I go to the movies is usually for a Star Wars movie. So there's some okay. key, there's some All geekdom right. for right. you. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you like Last Jedi? Yeah, I. I'll tell you this. I'm in the minority. I know, but I like every Star Wars movie, even the ones that everyone else hates, because I there are scenes in every single movie that have got to got to get you in some way or another. I mean. I can see by your face you no, you I, disagree. <laughs> I, I, you disagree emphatically. In yeah, the yeah, last couple of we'll years first. of my life, I've been trying to to live by the idea that people like. I, I used to not like things, and then not like the people that liked those things, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, eh, I don't know. People like what they like, and it doesn't matter. It's fine. But I still can't come around on the the prequel yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, well, they got a bad rap. Well, I mean. My issue with it is uh, I, I saw Phantom Menace in theaters and I didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money to go to the movies all the time. So I didn't see the second or third one because I didn't like Phantom Menace. So to me, there was only three Star mm-hmm. Wars movies. And then I got booked to appear on a uh, Star Wars game show. They're like, <laughs> no, as a nerd, I th- I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt right now. Uh We'll have him on the Star Wars game show. I was like, yeah, I'll be great at it. And then like, it slowly started to dawn on me. It's like, there are three other movies I know <laughs> nothing about. So I only saw the prequels a year ago. Yeah. So like everything that everyone was complaining about 10 years ago is fresh for me. <laughs> like, no, so you, you get to complain me, about them right now. <laughs> so, I, I will say I, the third one is really good. And I Wrong. think it's a bad rap. Yeah, no, incorrect. <laughs> Second one, I don't like it at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought Last Jedi was great. I still think Rogue One is the best one. I yes, like Rogue that's One. my favorite Star Wars movie. Rogue One is really good. It's like a Star Wars movie without actually being a Star Wars movie well, in the strictest like, the, sense. The prequels made me but, so sick of like Jedi. Like lightsabers yeah. were like sugar. And in the first one, you got like a little bit, so it made it sweet. In the prequels, they were just jamming pixie sticks down my throat. 
And then Rogue One, I'm like, oh, it's not one light. Well, there's a little bit of a lightsaber at the end, but that's it. <laughs> that was a great simile. Thank you. <laughs> really appreciated that. <laughs> so that would, you would say that's the last movie you saw in theater? <laughs> was uh, Last Jedi? Yeah, Last Jedi. And I meant to go back and see it again because I liked it that I much. three but... times. <laughs> and I can tell you the correct number is two. <laughs> I uh, oh. time it's less good. Yeah, I finally just like all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I don't have a problem with it. And my my little weekly blog I devoted. Uh, this again, this will give away how old I am. All right, I'm prepared to have your minds blown. Okay, right. I saw the original Star Wars what? in the theaters when it was still when it got re-released. Yeah, the digital <laughs> re-release. No, no, the release. What? The no. first. Re- <laughs> I was um, I was on vacation. And my parents took me on vacation and to Florida for a week or so between, it was like during Christmas vacation. And uh, one night, I guess, might have even been New Year's Eve. We just didn't know what to do. So we went to the movie theaters, a multiplex, and they went to see one movie and I went to see Star Wars. <laughs> and I'd heard... Idiots. <laughs> I'd heard a lot about it, but I, I don't know why it took me so long to actually get around to, to going to see it. And... Uh, it was that opening shot that got me. This is yeah. New Hope. This is yeah, the first yeah. one. And because I didn't really, I think I deliberately didn't want to see too much of it because I, I wanted to be right. surprised by everything. And that opening shot, the underside of the, the Star Dis- mm-hmm. Destroyer, yeah. I th- I'd never s- experienced a sense of size of something on a, on a movie right. screen like that before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was hooked. That's all it took. Yeah. <laughs> the first 10 seconds of the, of the movie. And... Um, uh, Did you collect the toys or anything? Uh, I don't think so. I think I collected some of the um, the programs from okay. you know, which might do pretty well on eBay these days. But I don't, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not absolutely. gonna part with them. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I was one of those people who would stand online. I, there was a huge movie theater not far from me that uh, back in the days before they they kind of chopped it up into. 10 different smaller theaters, but right, there was right. a time when it was like a 1,200 seat <laughs> theater. And uh, they showed all of the, each of the Star Wars as they came out. And my friend and I went to see, um, I don't think it was Empire, I think it was Return of the Jedi. Mm. And uh, we got there for, there's a certain showing we we were hoping to see, and we got there early. We knew we had to get there early, and there was right. a line going around the entire building of the theater. <laughs> so we got at the end of the line, and... Some people brought lawn chairs. Some people oh, were... wow. They were just making a day of it because they knew they'd have to wait forever to get right. in. And it was so much fun. And there were people coming out of the theater from one showing. They'd get right back to the end of the line <laughs> to, to wait for the next showing. And uh, when you go in with that many people in the theater and it's a new Star Wars yeah. and everyone's been waiting three years since the last <laughs> one. And as soon as the lights went down, the place just erupted with... right. You know, cheering and going crazy. And then, bam, you know, the Star Wars comes on. And it was just, you don't really get that. I mean, when I went to see The Last Jedi, I think my wife and I were, maybe there were 20 people. Because we missed the opening. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go see it with a lot of people because that's how I remembered it. Right. Because that was was part of the excitement, like a big community experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we kind of, for whatever reason, we missed the first week and we managed to get there a week later or so. And of course it was playing in six or seven different theaters in that complex. Right, right. <laughs> so everyone's sort of scattered among <laughs> all of them. So there are about 20 or 30 people in the one that we went to, but it didn't bother me because yeah. 
this, it was a good. I show. think the last time I had an experience like that was was Dark Knight. Like Batman had that kind of feeling where like mm-hmm. we're all going at midnight, mm-hmm. everyone <laughs> pile in. It's the only movie being shown in all the theaters. Yeah. Like so, and I love that feeling of like community. It's like we're all going to see it for the first time. And I didn't get that feeling with. Uh, uh, the Last Jedi, just because everyone was like dissecting the trailers, just mm. like so much, it's like we know everything. It's like no, you just go enjoy the movie. I didn't watch them. Yeah, I tried to avoid. I them. still do that. Yeah, I, I still... try to avoid trailers now. And I used to be that guy that was like, "Oh, trailers are the best," but now that like it made them special that they were before the movie, and I was mm. like, "I'm seeing something new." <laughs> now that it's just like you know. Every time I try to watch a cat video on YouTube, they punch yeah. me in the face with another one. It's like, ugh. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. Uh, William, have you been watching anything good? I blanked on my watching thing. Oh, we, we haven't talked about Black Panther, right? No, no, I saw Black Panther as well. Uh, it's so good. Did you see I any of the Marvel movies? No, sorry. None of them? I don't think so, That's no. all right. <laughs> You're like... I don't, don't. I tell you, I don't go to the movies. Shame, You're like days behind. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I made that joke as we left Black Panther. Is uh, when the Avengers came out, they showed all the movies before Avengers in like one seating. And now that Avengers three is coming out, we're like, how long would that take? <laughs> like that would take days, right? <laughs> if they showed all of them. <laughs> but uh, Black Panther, if it's a good one, if it's your first Marvel movie. Yeah, it's, you don't really need to know. You anything. don't need to know much going in, and it is beautiful. Yeah, it, it is, is so good. Great movie. So, so what do you think, William? Did I know it, I just I did just it. Well, yeah, that it was a great movie, and that it was beautiful. Uh, best villain. Uh, yes, I agree. I will say it's still half suffered from Marvel movie end fight. For me, I yes. don't like them. They're CG boring. the The big battle I liked, like yeah. the the warriors fighting. I don't think this ruins anything. But the two villain or the villain and the hero fighting, I was like, I don't care. Ready Please, get, you ready to get your mind blown? Yeah. Final fight took place in an underground railroad. What are you uh, What are you doing to me? On the underground railroad. Oh, oh, I get it. That's what his mind blown looks like. <laughs> yeah, I get embarrassed. I'm just, whatever. It's not that cool. I was just embarrassed. I didn't immediately know what the Underground Railroad was. Now I'm upset at myself. You're the history guy on this podcast. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend Black Panther to you, even if you haven't seen a Marvel movie. It is just very well done and tells an amazing story. So yeah, if if you want to tip your toe in that those comic book movies water, start with Black Panther. It's awesome. My collaborator in England is probably she'd make a better guess here than I would because she she's been following a lot of that for a long time. Gary, and you've been a great guest. <laughs> yeah, I want you to know that right now. This has been a great episode. It's not even well. Done she yet. could she could speak to that uh, anyway, okay. especially because I know she. Uh, until what? <laughs> research department. One day in 12 and a half hours oh, to watch for all, all the Marvel films. movies. Thank you, research it department. It still doesn't seem as long mm. as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but, but Gary, you've been a fantastic guest. I want you to know that right now. <laughs> ah, shucks. <laughs> Thank you. And I want to throw it back to you and ask you what you're reading. Uh, 
I, I don't really read a lot. <laughs> that's okay. Now that surprises no, me. I know, because I'm, I'm a writer who doesn't like you to read. You just finish a book and you're like, meh, <laughs> boring. Um, well, I don't read novels, really. Um, I do, I read, but not, um, I don't really read fiction. I read some humorous fiction. Do you do any podcasts? We accept podcasts and pretend they're audiobooks. Do I do... Do you listen to any podcast or anything like that? You know, my favorite podcast is Gilbert Gottfried's. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a I to that. you want to stick right in your ears. I listen to that every. I love Gilbert, <laughs> so I listen to that religiously. Yeah, G- Gilbert is is one of the few remaining comics comic that like mm-hmm. he doesn't care. He's he gonna makes, say yes, what he's going to say. He makes no apologies. No, not at all. And to be like the worst thing he's ever done at this point is like. Nothing compared to every other monster comedian yeah, that gets true. revealed. Like that's true. He was a little insensitive, and it wasn't yeah. great, but it's fine. <laughs> I still find him very funny. He is my favorite annoying bird voice actor. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all of the annoying of bird of voice <laughs> actors. Iago, that duck. I mean, that's two. Uh, he was the Affleck duck. Yeah, if no, you guys no. aren't getting it, I was just mm. <laughs> But I, I haven't listened to Gilbert's podcast. Is it just him ranting? Or no, no, no. Does he have guests? No, yeah. They have a guest every week. Uh, he has a, sort of his sidekick um, who does a lot of the research for the guest. It's mostly uh, maybe comedians or actors. I mean, basically, they're pretty big names. And they're not... Right. Uh, and um, they'll either, depending on who the guest is, they'll either talk about the guest's career or they'll go on... The comedians, a lot of the comedians have some backstage stories that most people don't know about when they talk about other comedians and uh, uh, oh it's hilarious and yeah. but I mean they they also get a lot of the, the main idea behind starting the podcast he has always said was to get a lot of the older entertainers recorded and have a conversation about their career before they're no longer here and uh, the joke with them is that a lot of their guests are so old. You know, a lot of them they tried to get on, but the guests died before they were able to get <laughs> onto the show. Or if they're talking about some actor's birthday, oh yeah, he's eighty-five today. Well, we got plenty of time to invite him onto the show. <laughs> What's the hurry? Uh, but um, oh no, I think uh, I think you'd like it. I mean, I, you I know, if you can tolerate it. Gilbert, but I I think Gilbert's great. So. And uh, I'm Mr. Podcast, so I will definitely check it out. <laughs> How about you, William? You read anything good? I <clears throat> listening. You know, this pro- I read an article today. Ooh, okay. And it was about it was like about parenting. Have you heard of a thing called the switch? I don't have a kid. I was just it just came across okay. my feed. I was worried. You look shocked. I was. I was stunned. Have you heard of a thing called the Switch Witch? Oh, oh the Nintendo thing. No, the Switch no. Witch. The Switch Witch, I believe is when you take all your kids' Halloween candy and give them a prize. You can't take it. They have to offer it up as a sacrifice (laughs) to the Switch Witch. Which, at first, I was probably the angriest I'd ever been. Yeah. Because I'm giving... I like to give candy out to trick-or-treaters. I'm giving these children candy, and now I find out that parents are throwing it out. Are they throwing it out? Well, what or? else are they going to... Or maybe they're, they're eating it. it. But that's not... I didn't give them candy. I gave a child candy. <laughs> yeah. And then I kind of came around on it, but I don't think it should be... They shouldn't get a prize. It should just be like a, a terrifying 
ritual. <laughs> like, well, you better give some of that candy to the Switch Witch or she's going to get you. <laughs> yeah, go get the candy to appease the gods of the Switch Witch. <laughs> I so, mean, before when I was trick-or-treating, my parents took all my Three Musketeers and I didn't get squat for it, so. It's true. Oh, that's my favorite. I don't like a Three Musketeers. I'm not a Three Musketeers guy. I'm a Butterfinger Reese Cup guy. Oh, no. I need peanut cup. butter in my chocolate. I like the nougat. <laughs> no, nougat's good. I, I agree. It's all, it's all wasted space inside that Musketeer. Oh. Yeah, I want a crunch. Yeah, milk, that's a very pleasant like a texture, got, though. like eight levels of garbage sugar in there. Wow. Musketeer seems lazy to me. Yeah, I, I like a crunch in my, my candy crunch bars. Crunch is good. Like Milky Way? Will you compromise with mil- not even Milky Way? <laughs> I just said Milky Way. Oh, I like okay. I didn't hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, got- st- stick some peanuts in it or something like that's that. That's a Snickers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was describing. <laughs> I like Snickers, too. All right, then. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that unseasoned, <laughs> off-season Halloween rant because I didn't know this was going on during Halloween. <laughs> yeah, what is that doing... Popping up in your feed in March. My, I think my internet browsing history is so eclectic that the Facebook algorithm's like, I, we don't know what to send to this man. <laughs> Something for his kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, he buys a lot of toys. He must have a child. Uh, I'm going to cheat this week. I do it. And uh, I've been listening to a podcast called Let's Write an Episode. And each week, they basically take a show... And are like, let's write a new episode of this. Huh. And it's oh, pretty that cool. Sounds they, good. Yeah, they did Saved by the Bell recently, and <sighs> it always starts with, so what makes up a an episode of this show? Like, what needs to happen? It's like, okay, Zach's got to talk to the camera mm. and be really smooth. He's got to be put into peril of some sort. That's really his own cause. <laughs> uh, Screech has got to come in and say something stupid, and like. Breaking down, all right, these are the components of an episode. Now let's fill in these blanks. It's a really good writing exercise. Mm, that's good. Uh, of course, it's not very British because there's more than one writer. Well, I've, but. I've, I've written scripts that haven't really seen the light of day. You know, some screenplays. And uh, again, the, the, the girl I collaborate with, <coughs> we, um, there's a fate. In fact, we met online on this um, uh, site for a particular uh, Britcom you probably haven't heard of it, called The British Empire. Uh, it takes place in like um, like a health club recreation facility, and uh, the, the guy who runs it uh, is just, he drives everyone crazy because he's very precise, and he's, he always has these rules that everyone have to, has to follow, and he's always trying to help people get things done, but of course he makes a mess of things, but... Uh, that's a very poor description of it, but anyway, <laughs> it's a hilarious show. In fact, I'd rank that. We were, I think, we mentioned briefly before Faulty Towers. Right, I, right. Everyone says, "Oh, it's the greatest British sitcom ever." I don't agree. I think British Empire, <laughs> among other shows, I rank that above Faulty Towers. Anyway, she and I, one time, we decided to write our own script for that show, The British Empire, and we both knew it so well. And we both knew, sort of like what you're saying, what most episodes, what elements they contain. And it was so easy. (laughs) It was easier than we thought it would be. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, once you see the code, it's it's easier to just fill in those gaps. Yeah, I'm not big on the formulaic (laughs) type of sitcom, though. The 80s, they were so interchangeable back in the 80s sitcoms. But um, I'm more like... I worship Modern Family 
these days because yeah. uh, I don't even know if most people realize how how it and it's just my opinion how miles above it is from most other sitcoms. It might be the only sitcom I I, I don't watch uh, Modern Family a lot, but like I enjoy it when it's on. Oh, yeah, I I, I haven't, can't think of another sitcom I've watched since like Seinfeld. Uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, I don't know. I that's not like a true sitcom. I, I don't know if it's like today. I don't think people enjoy how sitcoms look. Like the three camera, mm-hmm. half of a house sitcom. <laughs> like, because I cannot think of the last good one of those. Well, it's funny. There seems to be just two camps of that. Though, like the three camera studio sitcom mm-hmm. and like the single camera, like Modern Family and, and yeah. uh, uh, well, the others. The Office. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess uh, I guess the creators, when they were coming up, with each particular one, at some point they had they decided what kind of sitcom it should be, or what technique would better suit what they're trying to do. So, um, but I think you know, Modern Family. I've seen every episode so many times, and I'm still finding things, little throwaway lines, or things that someone mutters under their breath that you didn't catch the first time, or something's going on in the background that yeah. if you don't, if you're not looking, you miss it. But if you do catch it. You, you you fit it into what's going on, and it becomes hilarious. A, a simple look to camera. Oh yeah, rack me up on yeah. that show. It's just exactly also good at that show. Uh, and uh, that's going to throw it back to you, and it's going to be a tough one. Who me? What you oh. playing? Huh? <laughs> Are you playing anything? You mean like other than what uh, I just other did than before? When we forced you to play Mario. <laughs> well, that was the first time in a long so. <laughs> You're, you're you're going up a blind alley with that question. <laughs> Sorry to say. That's okay. Uh, I will I will gladly take your pass. Uh, William, you play anything good? All right. So I didn't get as far into it as I would have liked, but I, it, it's a hell of a guest yeah. to drop a Doki Doki <laughs> Literature Club discussion on. Yes. But yes. I'm, I got like two hours into it. I think I just stripped away the first layer. Okay. Okay. Of this game. Okay, uh, to, to fill you in, Gary, I've been trying to make Will play this game for the longest time. Uh-huh. And so on this show, I've been telling him you have to play Doki Doki Literature Club. And it is a dating sim. So basically, you play a kid in high school. Did we, did we already lose you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. You're a kid in high school, and you join the literature club, and there's four attractive women there. And they all kind of have a thing for you. And then based on your decisions... Uh, they react differently. So, you know, you can shun one and, and pursue one, the other more, and each of those actions will have more of a uh, its own consequences and stuff like that. Uh, but we had Eddie C. on the show the first time I brought this up, who yes. is another author, and he tweeted at me recently, Yo, Doki Doki Literary Club is messed up. What well, says that twice? It says it twice. When I yeah. downloaded it, was like, if you don't, it was like, dude, don't play this. It was more or less what it said. Uh, so, um, if you're one layer down, I-, I will ask you, has anything happened to Sayori? Nothing, because it, obviously Steam tells you it's a horror game. Yeah. But nothing, like, she, one, uh, told me that she has depression. Okay. Which, whoever wrote this also has depression, because they're nailing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
To the point where you've created an anxiety simulator for me. Oh, cool. Because I'm like, oh, I know these behaviors. <laughs> Ooh. And then it got to the, like, uh, Yuri came over. Okay. I don't. Who did you pursue? Yuri. Oh, does she have a knife? Yes. Okay, that's... You're still there. Uh, <laughs> I know this is the weirdest conversation to have. And then she drank my blood. My problem with this game is there's very little conversation choices. You're just clicking right, through right. everything. And I hate the human that I am. Yeah, yeah, because I've had a problem. I, I invited this Yuri person over, and I'm like, yeah, well, we can hang out. And then she's like, oh, there's some blood. I'll drink it. And then there wasn't a button like, hey, leave my house now. <laughs> hey, go home. So, so you have not finished your first playthrough. No, I haven't even... The, okay. Where we, I left off... We will continue this discussion next week, then. <laughs> Soria... Soria? Yeah. Uh, Sayori. Sayori uh, was, like, is, try, is working out her feelings. She's like, it's like, I like that you like me, but I, you know, I, I don't like that it doesn't feel good because I have depression. And I was like, oh, I know how that feels. And then, and then it just pops up. I could call her my good friend or tell her I love her. Yeah, and what I was in an mean? empty house and I screamed. <laughs> That was the, the anxiety. I was just like, ah! And I said, I love you because what kind of monster does the other one? Did I love you? Oh, yeah, of course I okay. did. All right. I can't wait to talk to you next oh! week. Uh, so. Well, that's an interesting premise it, for it, it, it though. It I mean, a free game. And it, like, if you're ever just. So it's a, if it's you a want guy to tip in your a, toe into something very It's a guy in a high school literature club with four attractive Four attractive girls. women and. <laughs> Like it, you know, it could be like a, a very successful adult video or something if if you were to put a different kind of spin yeah, on it. <laughs> Japanese games always seem to bore. Just yeah. there's a thin line. There's a very thin line. But uh, I, I've been highly recommending it, and I now that I know exactly where you are in the game. <laughs> oh, next week's going to be a great show, uh, and that's going to do it for what you watch and what you read and what you're playing. Uh, I actually, usually I say I'm playing a game, but uh, we're running a little bit uh, low on time. So uh, we're just going to move on. I feel uh, as if my answers were woefully inadequate, though. No. <laughs> you are a great guest. Let's see, I don't read. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't watch. I don't go to the movies the other, much. They're like, I don't play video games, and I think reading, unironically enjoy reading, movies. Yes, my, my, uh, <laughs> Makes you a good person. My motto is basically readings for chumps, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I've had to book. back off of that a little bit in recent years. Yeah, you just want them to buy your book. They don't need to read it. Just <laughs> spend money on it. Yeah, what do I know? What are they going to do with it after they buy it? Uh, so we are going to now uh, move on to a game. We end all of our podcasts with the game. It's time for host versus guest versus audience. Uh, this week, I have the Super Friends on DVD. How old is this? Very. It's rather old. But uh, yeah, we were talking about the lack of cartoons in British, uh, and they continue because this is from America. <laughs> yeah, all right, <laughs> Gary, what did you bring? Bob the Builder's British. Thank you, side oh. research department. I did not know that. That's good information. Uh, what did you? Bob bring? the Builder, not a cartoon though, isn't he? It's CGI. I thought he. Oh, he's CGI. I thought he was like a claymation thing. I don't think so. Let's get into Are this. You- what, Howard and Gromit? The, the that's what I, oh, Wallace and Gromit. That's what I'm Wallace, Wallace. I, don't, I don't think they can draw in England. They can sculpt clay they and make sculpt. puppets. Yeah, it's all... Yeah. Ardman yeah. Studio. Maybe, maybe that's where all their skills went, into, into sculpting. <laughs> um, Gary, what did you bring? What did I bring? 
Yes. Sealed in an envelope. I humbly Ooh. submit for Top your perusal. Secret. It's one of my one of my tomes. Oh, a, a book. It's yeah. <laughs> who reads those? Well, for people who read. <laughs> it's called Between the Laughs, and it's it's a collection of quotes from comedians speaking seriously about comedy and other comedians. Huh. Ooh, I super want dating to this dating <laughs> back about a hundred years. Oh wow, that is awesome! So it took me a while to collect all of them. I want. This. I didn't do it to make a book out of it, but that's what it became. <laughs> uh, now to play host versus guest versus audience, we need an audience member, uh, but they need to put up a prize for us to win since we put up these great prizes. What did you guys bring this week? I see uh, a collection of cartoons, more cartoons on DVD, and that appears to be the only put option. Up that this week. apple. So, it's not an apple. Oh, uh, what is it? It's a, it's a sphere. Oh, can I eat it? Probably. Come on up. <laughs> Wait, it's a maple sphere. What is that? Well, what, stop having off. Doing oh, this makes like- me feel like Hermione Granger. Because I just want to scream. Honestly, don't you two read? <laughs> no, no, of course not. I'm too busy maple- editing this show. Maple wood. I assumed syrup. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a condensed ball of syrup. The Canadian energy form is just Canadian maple. Dragon Ball? <laughs> yeah, great switches. Hmm. Uh, audience member, please introduce yourself. I'm, I'm still Laura. Thank you for coming on the show, Laura. Uh, so, since you are a pop culture historian, we're going to play uh, one of my favorite games we haven't played in a while. We're going to play a game called Known For. Uh, basically, are you familiar with the website IMDb? Who, me? Yes. Yes. Uh, if you go onto IMDb and you uh, search an actor or a director, it'll tell you the four things they are most known for. They're supposed to be the thing is, if you don't know who this person is, you list these four things and you'll realize mm-hmm. who that person is. How they figure this out is based on nothing from what I can tell. It's very confusing. Uh, so you're going to bid name that tune style on how many of the four you think you can name. <laughs> Uh, and it'll go down the line, and if you can't go any higher, you can challenge, and if you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, the person who challenges gets a point. And we're going to start... I'm going to try to keep it uh, as British as possible. <laughs> you don't have to. I know, I know some American entertainment. <laughs> and if I can spell it correctly... I'm going to go with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I thought you were going to try to... When you said spell it, I was like, he's going to try to go Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Will, we're going to start with you. Ooh. Of the four things Pierce Brosnan is most known for, how many can you name? This is a tough one because he's had, he's had a pretty prolific career. He has. But I don't know that there's one I would call his like defining movie. I'm not that IMDb's algorithm matters. I'm going to say... I'm just going to say one. Just going <laughs> to say one. Gary, do you want to go higher than one? Yes. <laughs> By uh, how many? Uh, at least two. At least two? Yeah. Well, you can go I, with two. I, I can go three, probably. Do, if do you want to go three? Um, well, well I, I'm only having trouble with when you say best known for. I mean, yeah, it's well, something. That's the, what makes it, this game a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's something that he game. did, but might not be yeah. best known for. So I don't know if I should count See, that or not. I, I would recommend going with two. I'll go with two. <laughs> All right. I can do that. Laura, do you want to go with three? Sure. Oh, Laura Ooh. thinks you can do three. Oh, no. 
Uh, Will, do you think you suddenly can do all four? I do not. All right, so that is a challenge. Laura, of the four things Pierce Brosnan is best known for, give me three of them. Goldeneye. Would have okay. been mine. Remington Steel. Okay. And the Thomas Crown Affair. The four things t- uh, Pierce Brosnan is most known for are The World Is Not Enough. Uh-oh. Tomorrow Never Dies. It's going to be every other James Bond Goldeneye. Ah. And Die Another Day. I didn't know he was in he four. Was I wasn't. I was. I wouldn't have listed them individually. I was just going to say James Bond. James yeah. Bond. <laughs> that doesn't count. I didn't realize he was in four. Yeah, he I was knew in three. Four and what were they again? Like, uh, the world is not enough. Tomorrow never dies. Right. Yes. Tomorrow never dies. Golden Eye and the world is not enough. Wait, you no, I'm sorry. Die another day. What's die another day? It had a Madonna video. Because there's the That's one where the, the bad guy it. owns the is Rupert Murdoch. There's Golden Age is the good one. Yeah. There's the one with Halle Berry. That's Die Another Day. What's the, what's the other one then? World's Not Enough is the, the newspaper. What's this other movie? Tomorrow Never Dies. That's what's the one that? with uh, Michelle Yeoh, right? No, that's the new. That's uh, World's Not Enough. I've never yeah. seen a James Bond movie. You've never seen a James I've Bond movie? I've never seen a James never, Bond Not even Goldeneye? I, not even Goldeneye. I've played the video game. You're the worst. I went I went through a James Bond period when I was a kid, but it was... Well, now I don't feel so bad. You've never seen a James Bond movie. Yeah, see? Uh, wait, even wait, even I've Bond. seen some James Bond movies. Wait. What is it? I've moved on to another thing. This is going to bother me. Uh, so that is a point for Will, which means we're going to start with, with uh, Gary was... and then change directions. Oh, because Will challenged. Because Will challenged. Wouldn't that be a point for Gary? But... Uh, so we're going to start with Gary and we're going to change directions and go to Will. And it's Rowan Atkinson. Okay. Uh-oh. Oh, how many? Yes. Uh, the, of the, the four things he's best known for, how many can you name? All right. It's okay. A, it's a uh, I can do... I know that now. I'll play it safe with three. Play <laughs> safe with three. <laughs> oh, I'm going to challenge. That's a good challenge. That's a real He could have said challenge. one. It would have been the same response. I don't know who this person is. I bet I do. I don't know you their do. name. You do. You 100% do. Uh, all right, give me those three. Um, is this Ray? In chronological order? <laughs> just, no. just Not the nine of the four. Not, um, I was going to say not the nine o'clock news, but I'm wondering if I'm confusing that with a different... Uh, all right, that we'll get. We'll go past it. Uh, Mr. Bean, Blackadder, and the one I was just stumbling on for the the, the, the nine o'clock news. You said uh, it was a it was a sketch parody show, sort of presented as a newscast. But um, oh. I'm drawing a blank about the precise name. Uh, his so. name's not Mr. Bean. No, his name is not Mr. Bean. So if Bean. you want, I'll I'll reduce my claim to two. <laughs> you can't do that now. I just still challenge. Right. Well, all right. Uh, I'm about to blow everyone's mind. The four things Rowan Atkinson is best known for Rat are race. Bean, uh, yeah. Mr. Bean, Johnny English, <laughs> Four Weddings and a Funeral, <laughs> and The Lion King. Oh, is That's he right, Zazu? He's Zazu, he's Zazu in uh, The Lion King. John Oliver is going to be Zazu in the new one. That makes sense. <laughs> He's, the, he's really the new Rowan Atkinson. I'm sorry, John Oliver. <laughs> but that is a point for Will, because none of that made any sense. <laughs> All right. I mean, we did both instantly know he was Zazu. Yeah. Well, once you said Lion... Oh, who else would he be in Lion King? He's not Cheech Marin, so... I don't know. Maybe, like, <laughs> not the Goldberg. vocal effects for Ed. All right. 
All right, so we're going to start with Laura this time and go to Will to change directions. And Stop we're gonna, going to me. That's the way the game works. It's, it's, I'm just going to keep challenging. It's not very fair. Uh, and it's Elizabeth Hurley. Two. Two. A skeptical two. Will? I don't want to keep challenging, but I don't know that I know three Elizabeth Hurley movies. Uh, oh, crap. Uh, get a challenge. I'm not trying to be a jerk. <laughs> it's all right, Laura. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, that was and Bedazzled. Those were my the two I could. Yeah, pick those up. the two I could. What's name? the one where she got like served by Matthew Perry? Serving Sarah. Yeah, all right, there it is. I actually really like that movie. It was. It has Bruce Campbell in it. Uh, the four films that uh, Elizabeth Hurley is most known for are. Passenger 57. Oh, okay. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. She's like a cameo in that. Yeah, she's in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. And Bedazzled. Nice. <laughs> so that is a point for Laura. Which means we're going to start with Gary and we're going to go to Laura. Oh, thank okay. God. All right. <laughs> I didn't think of anyone else. Who else is British? Uh, <laughs> like everybody. Just go through. Alec Guinness. No, that's all going to be. I don't know how's his name. Uh, Hugh Laurie? Yes. Hugh Laurie. Let's do Hugh Laurie. <laughs> all right, Hint. well, we've already nailed one. <laughs> house. <laughs> uh, but we're going to start, uh, yeah, with Gary on this one. Uh, of the four things that uh, Hugh Laurie is best known for, how many can you name? Hmm. More familiar with his TV work. Well, TV, TV works yeah. are listed here. Okay, two. Um, I can only say my mind's starting to blank out, so I'll I'll stay. I'll say two. Saying two, Laura. I think I can do three. You think you can do three? Because it's challenge. I'm not. I'm not counting house though. <laughs> oh, I'm totally counting house. Oh, well, I mean, if I'm it's, underhanded. If it's one of the four, I can't control that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I don't oh. know four things you have no done. Laura impressed me. Jeeves and Wooster, Fry and Lori, House. The four things. Noah's face tells me I'm right. Oh, well, I could have done. Horrified. I could The four that. things <laughs> that Hugh Laurie are known for are House, Tomorrowland. Oh yeah. Is anyone known for Tomorrowland? No, no one is known for Tomorrowland. Yeah, actually, yeah, George Clooney got forgotten because of it. <laughs> Flight of the Phoenix. Oh come on. And Stuart Little. Oh, he wasn't Stuart Little. <laughs> that means Will is our winner. I'm not happy about this. <laughs> With no correct answers. That's how you win this game. I know. It's the worst game. <laughs> Laura, thank you so uh, much IMDb for IMDb is just wrong. That's all. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to read your book, though. So I'm definitely going to be stealing oh, that. It's I'm... an easy read. <laughs> and... Oh, perfect. I already love this. Buster Keaton. Oh, oh I love sure. this book. Your wooden dragon egg? Is a dryad going to hatch from this? Or a triad? Gary, we got to get out of here. Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, just... Uh, yes, you do. You oh, I do? books and a website. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, anyone is free to stop and visit my website, GaryBerman.com, two R's and Gary. And uh, there you'll find uh, each of my books, both fiction and nonfiction, and links to Amazon if you so desire to make a purchase. 
<laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> that works. Will anything to add? Was he lowering sense and sensibility or pride and prejudice? Sense okay. and sensibility. Got that out of the way. Good night. Be sure to give us five stars on iTunes, five stars on Stitcher. Vote for us on podcastland.com. Make us the podcast of the month. It's a new month, so I'd greatly appreciate it if you actually did that. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitch so you can watch live and chat along with us. We have some comments, but I'm not reading them right now. But you could join us next week and make some comments. It'll be great. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That stuff actually does help. Uh, We're close to being monetized again, so do those things. Upcoming shows include uh, next week, that's March 8th, we are going to have Miguel Dalmau, the host of This American Immigrant, on the show. And then on the 15th, we're supposed to have Dan Sinclair. Will it happen? The only way to find out is to subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes. I should mention that one every once in a while, too. Thank you to Net Neutrality for making the show possible. This is the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Nice. (laughs) Unless you're watching this in the daytime.